you're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to the Kimmick Podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Michaela. And this week we are talking about the Twilight Zone. Yes. The original series. The original series. Yes. Yes. There was a couple there, reboots. There have been a couple reboots. I think one movie and two reboots. Yeah. Something like that. Well, that was one of the opening lines. Yes. And he had two other ones. Rod Serling, creator of Twilight Zone. And they're all really good. So I, I wrote them down. So the other one is, you unlock this door with the key of imagination. Key. Hello, keys. Beyond it is another dimension, a dimension of sound, a dimension of sight, a dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. He was such a great writer, wasn't he? Such a good writer. And then the third one was, there is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Twilight Zone. Ooh, so good. So good. Just, it's so intriguing what he's talking about it always made you want to watch well what's this one going to be like what's this one going to be about and i have a question for you what is your first memory of the twilight zone well my folks and my siblings would always watch twilight zone but i was always put to bed because i was the baby and it was too scary they thought it was way too scary i'm six years younger than my youngest brother so he would put me to bed but I would sneak out. And one time I watched It's the Invaders. Mm-hmm. The one with, oh, what's her name? Agnes um, Moorhead. Agnes Moorhead, yes, from Bewitched, the, the mother of Samantha mm-hmm. in Bewitched. And that one scared me so much that I never I never snuck out and watched anymore after that one. That was that was my early experience with Twilight Zone. But then when I got older, I was intrigued and watched it with the family. But How old do you think you were when you watched that episode? I was young. Uh, six, maybe? Six, seven? Okay. Right in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because my earliest memory of Twilight Zone, I had to have been, I think, five. <laughs> yeah. And because when I was in kindergarten, I had kindergarten every other day. Right. And every other day schedule. Right. So on the days that I was at home with you, we would, you know, make a snack. I would play and we would watch stuff on TV together. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day we were sitting down and you were scrolling through the TV, seeing what was on. And the Twilight Zone was on. And you were like, oh, I remember this show. I started watching it with you. I don't remember the episode but I think it might have been one of the ones where they're on Mars or something. Yeah. 
but I remember watching it with you and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and then I went to school and bragged to all my friends about how I watched the Twilight Zone and it was the coolest thing ever. And yeah, it was like the time when I was watching Doctor Who and I think, was it you? It was, it was me. That came out first. Yeah. And I was, and of all of, I, I turned into it thinking it was the Tom Baker uh, doctor who did not know about David Tennant. So you were young. Uh, and, no, I was um, like middle school-ish. I was around yeah, like well, 12. I didn't, I didn't know about David Tennant. Yeah, I, I was know. like 12. All I knew was old school Doctor Who. And I was like, <gasps> Doctor Who's on. And then I turned it on. And I was like, wait, that's not my doctor. Yeah. And then I started watching it, and the episode was the Satan's Pit. <laughs> and that's the one you walked out on, and you're like, what are you watching? And I'm like, this is like a reboot of the old show I used to watch. And then Jenny started watching it and really got hooked. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but it kind of reminds me of that, how you, like, watched it, and then you went to school. And I remember Jenny going to school just talking of Doctor Who all mm -hmm. over the place. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah those things that you watch as a kid that you think are the coolest ever that you have to go to school the next day and tell all of your friends about it because it's just the coolest thing ever. Mm -hmm. I did the same thing with, um, oh, what was it? Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. I did the same thing. Watch that and went to school the next day and be like, oh my God, guys, guess what I watched? It's so cool yeah yeah but twilight zone i have a very distinctive memory of watching it as a kid mm -hmm. and just being blown away even though i definitely could not wrap my brain around the social commentary in that show at that age yeah for sure <laughs> so i picked a word of the week okay i picked a crazia crazia it's spelled a-k-r-a-s-i-a Hmm. Crazia. And it's a Greek word that means the state of mind in which someone acts against their better judgment through weakness of will. Mm. And I used it in a sentence. Unfortunately, the CEO's decision was clouded by acrasia, leading to a less than desirable outcome. Acrasia. Mm. Mm. That's good. Yeah, it's a great word. I love learning new words. <laughs> Me too. It's exciting. It's fun. So exciting. Well, I'll jump into a song. Might as well. So one song that I've always loved was Twilight Zone, Twilight Tone by the Manhattan Transfer. And it came out in 1979. And it was on their very best of the Manhattan Transfer. And I, I always loved this band. Loved their sound and everything. So um, I was super stoked when they... <laughs> came out with Twilight Zone song. So that's the one I picked. Let's go. Twilight Zone, Twilight Tone by the Manhattan Transfer. I always love that band. The band is so fun. That's a fun song. That's a long <laughs> song. I was looking at it like, wow. And I thought Bohemian Rhapsody was long. No way. <laughs> For the time, it was long. <laughs> anyway, I almost picked that one, Bohemian Rhapsody, too, because I always loved that song, too. It's a good one. But I, I was going to 
pick it by the pentatonics band i love them too their version of it is pretty pretty clever they use great uh, imagination when it comes to sound so they do i they really i do. thought about picking that i came really close and but then i found a different song so that's, okay. that's just how it goes and you can only have three so it, it makes it challenging sometimes when you have other ones you're contemplating I was thinking back to the early days of the podcast where we were trying to figure out how many songs to each pick. I remember if that. We, at first, we each picked two, mm-hmm. but that was almost too little. And then we have one episode where I think we each picked like five. And that was a bit much. Yeah. That's all we did with songs. And then now I think three each. It just it has a nice flow to it. Time wise, it's perfect. Yeah, and if you there's something you want to mention, we can always just mention a song exactly. and have you guys look it up. Exactly. I'd like to think we inspire you know new uh, music to people out there too. I'm sure. Yeah, new I'm avenues, sure. new things to look at. Exactly. So, uh, the Twilight Zone ran uh, on CBS Network for five seasons, from October second, nineteen fifty nine, to June nineteenth, nineteen sixty four. And viewers sent in scripts if they if you were an amateur writer in the 1960s or just a fan of the show, you could send in a script to be considered for an episode, which I thought was kind of cool. That's super cool. In total, 14,000 scripts were sent in. And Sir Rod Serling read 500 of them, and absolutely none were made into an episode. Serling said only two were good, but they didn't fit the format of the show. Wow. So. Wow. Well, and the format of the show is really particular, too, because The Twilight Zone is an anthology series. Mm -hmm. Each episode is completely different. Different characters, different set, everything. And he did have a specific formula to which he would write scripts because he only had, I don't know, 20 minutes to get a story out because they had commercials and stuff back then too. So you had to introduce characters, develop a plot, create a problem and resolve it all within 20 minutes and have an interest for your audience to continue watching to care after the commercial. And they took forever. Well, and to hook the audience enough to where they would come back next week, because it's not like they were following characters or a cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. This episode before so in order to have people actually come back and keep watching was really challenging so Mm -hmm. i'm kind of not surprised that he rejected all the scripts yeah yeah only one actor appeared in all five seasons while many actors appeared multiple times on the program robert mccord appeared in 67 episodes most of them as an extra which i thought was interesting I, and I looked up his face. And I really didn't, you know, I mean, I knew his face, yeah. but not that well. I thought, man, for someone who was in 67 episodes, you think I'd you know, remember him more than I did. But that's what I was thinking. You said that. And I thought there is. And yeah. you can look up Robert what? McCord. Huh? That's really cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. It says, uh, Serling's on-camera introduction started in season two, 
During the first season, Serling only appeared on camera during the promotions for the next week's episode. And I do remember that, too. I know he was really camera shy. And he was also really short. Like, really short. Yeah. And he was very insecure about his shortness. Mm. And he didn't think he had good on-camera presence. (laughs) Which is crazy to me. Yeah, because... He was so intriguing to, to listen perfect. to, and he had an epic speaking voice. Yeah. To me, I, I of course, I grew up watching Rod Serling. He's so interesting mm-hmm. and charismatic and well-spoken that I could listen to him talk forever. Yeah, he could talk about anything. <sighs> yeah. Talk about the weather, and it'd be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. Uh, the Looney Tunes parodied the series, hmm. which I did not know that. Uh, the Looney Tunes and the Twilight Zone could not be more different, but the two franchises converged when Warner Brothers and DC Comics released the Looney Zone, uh, the comic series. Parodied many of Serling's most classic episodes by using the Looney Tunes as the main characters. And I'm like... I would love to own that. (laughs) Yeah, that's just super hilarious. I don't. (laughs) I find it cool that the Twilight Zone has withstood the test of time so well. I mean, it started in the fifties, but even to this day, we still have parodies. It became such. An important part of culture. It's very iconic. It's so iconic. And he made it so it relates to human, mm-hmm. uh, just human beings. Human nature. In, human nature in general, that it surpasses time. Yeah, because humans are the same. Did I let you pick your first song? No, I think I yet. just zoomed right That's over That's okay. We were getting well, into it. We were getting into song. it. All right. Let's do that. My first song. Yes. Is Twilight Zone by Golden Earring. Classic. It's so good. It's so good. It's another long song. Of course. And apparently I picked the long version to go on our playlist, which is almost eight minutes long. Enjoy. Golden Earring, though. (laughs) Golden Earring. The guitar is so good. The riff is so good. Twilight Zone by Golden Earring. Twilight Zone by Golden Earring. Classic. It's such a jam. <laughs> oh. I loved that band growing up. They're so good. They had an album called Switch that was one of my favorite albums. Loved them. See, I know them because of you. So yeah. just like I know the Twilight Zone because of you. And my wow. brothers loved loved uh, Golden Earring. So they're yeah. such a good band. If Moon you don't Tan. know them, Moon Tan is a great album. Yeah. Check them out. Yes. Super good. Super classic. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Let's continue. So, only one episode has a sequel. I'm oh. like, really? Despite having two reboots, one in 1986 and 2002, The Twilight Zone only has one episode with a second part. Hmm. The original series, season three, episode It's a Good Life, was turned into a sequel in the 21st century reboot. Cloris Leachman and Bill Mummy 
reprise their their respective roles of the mother and the mind-controlling son, making them the only two actors to appear in both the original and the 2002 series. Oh, that is so I would like to see the sequel because I've never seen that. I've never seen it. I've never seen any reboots, so. Yeah, Yeah, I'm the type of person where I really... I like the originals mm-hmm. of things. I really do. Yeah. I prefer them. Mm-hmm. So anytime there's a reboot or a remake, I'm more, eh, yeah. eh I'll pass. But that sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. You said it was Cloris Leachman? Yeah, she <gasps> came back for that. And same with uh, Bill Mummy. He was the he was the boy. The creepy kid? Yes. Nice. Yeah. So that was exciting. Uh, two episodes were intended to be pilots. For a spinoff show. The two episodes were uh, Cavender is Coming and Mr. Beavis. Hmm. Um, but the show's attempt to do so didn't go so well. <laughs> and um, Cadaver is Coming wasn't liked by the fans as soon as it came out. It is widely considered the worst episode of The Twilight Zone. Cadaver is Coming was intended to be a pilot to be produced to be a proposed sitcom with a laughter track on it. Mm. But audiences thought it was entirely pointless. So plans to turn the episode into a series was axed. They were just like, nope, it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's going to be kind of like a comedy kind of funny. And they were just like, uh, nope. I don't. <laughs> think Rod Serling would have been very good at comedy. I'm sorry. He doesn't seem like it, huh? The Twilight Zone name, Rod thought he made it up, but then found out that it was an Air Force term relating to a moment when a plane is coming down on repro- approach and can't see the horizon. So. Which I think is such an appropriate name for the show, because a lot of times you're seeing these characters making these choices and they don't know what kind of outcome it's going to have. Right. Or, it, you know, nine times out of ten does not have the outcome that they think it's going to have. So, mm-hmm. in a sense, they can't see the horizon. Right. Right. It's very fitting. So, I started uh, looking into Rod Serling's background. And he was born in Syracuse, New York on December 25th. He's a Christmas Day baby. Oh! <laughs> Uh, 1924 was the year he was born. And he was born Rodman Edward Serling. Rodman. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> I like Rod. That is, uh, yeah. 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 Um, he had enlisted in the Army. He, he fought in World War II, and he enlisted in the U.S. Army the morning after his high school graduation. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And he served with the 511th Parachute Infantry Regiment of the 11th Airborne Division. You know. He always had a thing for planes, too. Oh, so he, yeah. He loved well, any kind of planes. And- in, in my research, I read a bit that, and this isn't completely confirmed. This is more hearsay of a possibility. Yeah, and some of the stuff we that bring up. Is- Rod pissed off somebody in the military who sent him to that uh, division. And that's why he was in that division because only like 30% of people in that division came home alive. 
majority of the people who went into that parachute division died. So it's it makes sense why a lot of his episodes were about military and planes. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of it was him just trying to cope with some of the trauma he experienced. Oh, yeah. We'll get into that. Mm. Yeah. Um, he was a boxer. What? <laughs> he became a boxer while training in the army. Hmm. And he suffered uh, two broken noses. Ooh. He came in like second place because they had like competition. And uh, Second yeah. place is pretty good. Whew. I'd hate to have my nose broken twice. That doesn't sound fun. He um, participated in insanely dangerous Air Force experiments. While in college, he made extra money testing equipment for the U.S. Air Force. Some parachute jumps and other experiment tests were so hazardous that he would be paid anywhere from $500 to $1,000 per stunt, sometimes half up front and the other half if he survived. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. No wonder he got into sci-fi. That is sci-fi right there, man. Jeez. The things you do for money. And that's... 40s money we're talking about, right? 30s, 40s money? Yeah. Whoa. Yikes. I guess I'll pick my second song. It's pretty gutsy. (laughs) He's a Christmas day baby. He's got miracles on his side. Clearly, he survived (laughs) all that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I picked my second song. I picked Twilight Zone by SES. The Korean band? Korean band? And it came out in 1999 on the album Love. Twilight Zone by SES. I like that. That's fun. It kind of has a Michael Jackson kind of feel. Yeah, it's got that old school vibe. Yeah. So, what's your second song? So, my second song, since it is spooky season, I decided to go with the song Near Twilight by Calabrese. It's about vampires, but, you know, Twilight, spooky season. That is my pick. Near Twilight by Calabrese. Near Twilight by Calabrese. Calabrese. So, back to info. Back to the info. (laughs) Rod Serling recorded his dreams. He left a tape recorder near his bed in case he needed to record the dreams he had the night before. And all of his dreams, both good or bad, ended up inspiring countless episodes of The Twilight Zone. That is really cool and really smart. It was like that creepy dream. The creepiest dream I ever had was, uh, it was a nightmare. I was having an extreme nightmare. And at the time, I remember that I was working on quitting smoking. And Mm. I would have, like, dreams that I was smoking and, you know, and wake up, feel guilty, but I hadn't smoked. Mm. But one night, I was just, I was having this extreme nightmare and having anxiety and everything. I woke up even, you know. Woke up the ex and everything and told him I just had this super scary dream. And he's like, well, just go out there, you know, have a glass of milk. Or normally I'd have a cigarette, but I was 
quitting. And so I went out there, like warmed up some milk and everything. And he goes, just think about flowers and something cute, which I did, which I did. And I go back to sleep and the dream starts out really nice and everything is really cool. And I see in the distance this little boy and he's like waving at me. And I'm like, oh, hi, little boy. You're so cute. And he's like, I've got it. And I'm like, what? And he's waving this DVD at me. I've got it right here. Actually, it was VHS was back say, then. This was before DVDs, it was so it was VHS. a VHS tape. But he's waving at, at me, and I'm going, what do you have? He goes, you didn't miss a thing. And I'm like, miss a thing of what? He goes, I've got the whole dream right here on VHS. And he throws it into the recorder, and up on the screen comes that nightmare. Full blast from right where I'd left off. And I was just like, oh, woke up and I'm like, that's it. I'm up for the rest of the night. And I did not go to bed for the rest of the night. I was like three or four in the morning. Oh, that is yeah. so And it creepy. terrified me. It just terrified me. That is so, so creepy. I don't know if you have any scary dreams to tell. But that one just, it, it stayed with me forever. Not really. Nothing to that caliber, honestly. I have a lot of weird dreams where it's just weird and you don't can't understand it it makes sense in the dream but you wake up and go well that didn't even make sense or why did i dream that yeah but not really nightmares i don't really get nightmares have you ever had reoccurring dreams no i've had several never had um, reoccurring dreams well, i've had chasing dream <sighs> i've had scary dreams but i don't again nothing to the level where it was so scary and I remember it. Hmm. Nothing really like that. Hmm. Yeah, I had a couple of recurring dreams. Mostly high, uh, college. A lot of stress. A lot of stress. Yeah. I worked two jobs and went full-time. And, yeah. That was extreme stressful. So, yeah. That's a lot of fun. Mm. So Gotta much love fun. that stress. Stress is a good time. Oh, let's see. Where am I? We are back here talking about go. Rod Serling. Oh, yeah. The creator. Here we are. His first writing accolade came in college for a radio script. He submitted a script to the annual writing contest of radio program Dr. Christian. And he was selected out of thousands of entries that were submitted. And he won a trip to New York City and $500. Um for To Live a Dream was the name of, of the episode. Huh. And another winner was Earl Hamner Jr., who would go on to write scripts for The Twilight Zone. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So they met during that, and then he went on to work together. His favorite, Rod Serling's favorite episode um, was Time Enough at Last, which was written by him. Mm-hmm. And his favorite episode penned by someone else was The Invaders, which was by Richard Matheson. Yeah. That one's so good. I think part of what makes The Invaders such an incredibly good episode is that there's no dialogue. Yeah. There's no dialogue at all. Yeah. But you feel it. You experience everything with her. Yeah. But there's no dialogue. Well, that whole little thing, I don't know what inspired 
that episode um, for Richard Matheson, but it could possibly be ants or some kind of invaders of the rodent kind mm. because it really does remind me of living in a trailer and I had um, mice I- issues and those little sugar ants. And I, I just feel her anxiety when every time she turns around, there it is. And it's either biting or like, I'd wake up in the morning and it like the mice had gotten into my flower and all this. And it would just send me into orbit because I was a cook and my kitchen is my little haven. It's your so sacred space. Any invaders in that space just causes me over extreme anxiety. So, yeah, the sugar ants, we had to get an exterminator out because we could not get rid of them. At least with the mice, we could trap them and get them out. And, you know, we kept filling in the little trailer holes mm-hmm. with steel wool. Steel wool works great. They can't chew through that. <laughs> but the sugar ants, we could not get rid of. And I'm like, either they go or I go. And sure enough, we had to get exterminator and then we got rid of those but yikes so i wouldn't be surprised that makes sense that was you know kind of an inspiration for that anyway as long as you know you've lived a couple rodents here and there of course you were with us in the trailer Mm -hmm. but it seemed to kind of got over that you had it under control i I never really got to experience it too much and we would always spray we'd sprayed like crazy Mm -hmm. especially after all that and exterminators you know so back to the back to this uh the twilight zone was canceled twice despite its many awards and critical acclaim and loyal fan base the twilight zone only drew modest ratings and was canceled and revived twice during its five years and by 156 episodes, that's how many total. 92 uh, were written by Rod Serling. 92 Ooh. out of the 156. A weary Serling did not oppose the third and final cancellation of the series in 1964. He was done fighting them and fighting all the he hated Oh, censorship. Yeah, I was yeah. Turn it over to you. Yeah. Yeah. So at throughout the entirety of Rod Serling's writing career, he was actually very outspoken on social issues and racial inequalities. And he had so much he wanted to talk about and talk about these issues. However, the state of the world was not ready to hear it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that being said, particularly the television network definitely was not able to hear it. So, oh, even the pilot he rewrote like five times because he wanted it to be about a specific incident that happened. But due to its nature of being a racial inequality issue, he could not write about it because they would not air it. So... He figured out that the only way he could get these issues to be aired and at least somewhat discussed and talked about would be to make it about aliens, which honestly is kind of brilliant if you think about it. Oh, for sure. So, and that is part of why each episode of The Twilight Zone has kind of a moral to the story 
and a commentary on, you know, the human condition and what it means to be human is because that's what he wanted to talk about originally. But the only way he could get people to listen would be by masking it as fiction, sci-fi, fantasy. This doesn't exist. But if you watch enough episodes of The Twilight Zone, it does exist. It really does in each of us. Sure, there might not be, you know, little tiny spacemen stabbing us in the ankles, but it's a condition of the mind. And I think that's part of why The Twilight Zone has stood the test of time as well as it had. Yeah, they had one episode called The Encounter. It was episode 151. Um, it was first broadcast on May 1st, 1964, but its racial overtones caused it to be withheld from syndication in the U.S. until 2004. Whoa. Yeah. And I believe that is the episode where um, there's the, it's, it seems like they're up in the attic and there's the sword up there mm -hmm. and the sword wants revenge. Yeah. It's the Asian mm -hmm. and the American soldier and he's really crass. The, the yeah. American is super crass and he's, you know, they're just trying to get along mm -hmm. and it's like old stuff in the attic. And I well, believe that's the one. The interesting part though, what, what I find interesting given the time frame that the twilight zone came out was I mean, you know, Rod Serling wanted to talk about things that were happening in the U.S. He wanted to talk about this issue. But it was acceptable for him to talk about it by making it about Nazis, which I find really interesting. Because mm -hmm. he has a couple episodes about, you know, ex-Nazi soldiers and Auschwitz and yeah. things like that. Yeah. But in order for him to even talk about it, he had to put it over there. Mm -hmm. It's make kind it like of a ghost story. Yeah. Make way. it like a ghost story. Make it like, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, well, it happened in a lot in of Germany. ways. We're still it's like over that there. Yeah. It's not oh, here. Right. Right. So I think it's just, it's very fascinating to yeah. learn about again, well, as much as things change, and he things stay the was same. A Jewish descent. Too, he so, was Jewish. So mm -hmm. very, very close to his heart. Oh, yeah. And he fought in World War II. Yeah. So he yeah. saw all of it. Mm. All of it. I'll pick my song. Okay. What are we on? We're on the last song. Yeah. Let's go we there. on the last song. That's right. So I picked Imagination by Foster the People. And it's off of the Pick You Up uh, album, which I didn't even know of <laughs> until today. Um but it came out in 2019, and I've always loved Foster the People. Just always have. So they're one of my favorite bands. <laughs> and, you know, he battled with a lot of stuff, and it comes out in his music. And I think that's why um, he had a lot of challenges in, in life, and I believe that's why I connect so much to this band. But, mm -hmm. yeah, I thought Imagination would be a great, great song really to pick. Is. So. Imagination by Foster the People. Imagination by Foster the People. 
I love his voice. Oh, I love this band so much. And I, I could have seen him several times, and I and I didn't. I had other things going on or whatever, but I told Michaela, they please, please foster the people. When you do go back on tour, please come to Denver. I so want to see this band so badly. Um, yeah, I was telling her uh, that Mark Foster struggled with drug addiction and everything and had some dark moments in his life and I guess 10 years after he quit that he he uh founded foster the people with several a couple other guys but um I think you know being a person who stra- who has struggled in life with a, with I had a small addiction with alcohol for a while and and suicide and everything. I can relate to his lyrics. His lyrics are really good. Mm-hmm. And like he said, I've just was not going anywhere. And my life was just passing me by. And, you know, he was just, he got into the, he went out to LA and got into the Hollywood scene and just, you know, his friends thought he was going to die and everything. And he was just like, wait a minute, this is not what I want to do. And look at how he's turning around and, you know, he's written some fabulous songs and I, I love the sound of that band. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm excited because Twilight Zone was probably the most favorite show next to Doctor Who, I think, growing up. And this is probably one of my all-time favorite bands. <laughs> they go together. There you like go. Like flies in the undead. Bullets and guns. <laughs> yeah. Peanut, Peanut butter, butter and jelly. <laughs> <laughs> So what's your third song? So my third song came about as kind of a surprise for me. And you knew all about him and I didn't know. But here we go. I loved this guy. <laughs> I was like, she sends me this. And it was new music by him. And I didn't even know he had new music out. And I'm like, oh, I love this guy. Yep. And, she, but she, she, and I sent her stuff, but I'm always sending her stuff all the time. So it's no wonder that she doesn't remember so the artist that we're talking about is DPR Ian. And I I had no idea about this person. I just opened up my YouTube and his new music video popped up. Because at one point he was in a K-pop group. Okay. He's so Australian. He's Australian. He's yeah. an Australian singer-songwriter. So at one point he was in a K-pop group. And I think that's why it popped up in my YouTube algorithm. Because mm-hmm. I watch a lot of K-pop music videos. Mm-hmm. And it's for his new track, Don't Go Insane. And right off the bat, the thumbnail, it looked so cool. So I clicked on it because I had to know what that was about. Yeah. And he's got, his, oh. his visuals are so epic. He's got some really hardcore visuals the in most, his in his music videos. Oh, the most incredible music videos ever. So I watched this music video, fell in love with his voice and the video. It's amazing. And then I just started going down this little rabbit hole of finding out more about him. Mm. And he's a very, very fascinating, interesting person. He struggles with bipolar disorder a lot, which once you know that, you can get medication. Well, you can can, see it in his music, too. Mm -hmm. So two of the videos for his new album is Don't Go Insane and So I Danced. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of see the contrast of like a manic and depressive type of vibe. It's so good. So good. I highly recommend it. This new mini album, I believe it's a mini album, is called Dear Insanity. And it's so good. So I've just been listening to all of his music lately, you know, loving it. It's amazing how therapeutic 
music is for so many people with that, you know, have disorders. Absolutely. I know for me, like I'm <laughs> undiagnosed, but I, I have ADHD. I've had, you know, post-traumatic distress, all that. And how music really, really will focus me on to happier things when I'm really feeling out of control. And oh, same. It's, it's just, it's like a miracle drug, really. Oh, same. I um, have a comfort playlist that I made on my Spotify with songs that specifically comfort me. So if I'm like feeling super anxious mm-hmm. and freaking out, I can put that on and it helps just tremendously. You. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. so this is Don't Go Insane by DPRN. Don't Go Insane by DPRN. Yeah, I love his voice so much. (laughs) I was hooked immediately. His vocals are incredible. And he owns his own company. That's what the DPR is. It stands for Dream Perfect Regime. Oh, cool. Yeah. So there's DPR Live. And I I don't know all of the specifics, but... That's the crew that makes the videos and things and stuff like that. And he has a couple other artists on there as well. I think there's DPR Dream. So they all work together nice. to create all of this stuff. Did it say where it's located? I is believe it? it's in Korea. Okay. I believe he still operates out of Korea. Okay. But he is Australian. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, she said, Michaela said that Bang Chan uh, from Stray Kids recommended him too yeah so, yeah he mentioned it on surprised. one of his chani's rooms like way 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 back yeah i mean they're both australian this is amazing yeah but they he has so many amazing music videos and songs there's even a mini movie video that he created that's will blow your mind so yeah. i yeah. highly 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 recommend you go check out dpr ian He's fantastic. He really is. (laughs) So, and that's my spiel on DPRE. And let's get back to the Twilight Zone. (laughs) Yay. Uh, So Rod was unhappy with the, with the night gallery. Uh, Steep more in horror than science fiction. Serling hosted night gallery and would write more than a third of its episodes. Mm -hmm. However, he rejected an offer to retain creative control, a decision he would come to regret. And by season three, many of his contributions were either being rejected or heavily altered, leaving him disgruntled and reportedly hotly dismissing the show as manics in a cemetery. (laughs) Well, and the Night Gallery was the show he did after the Twilight Zone finished. Yes. He did a Western one, uh, a Western series for a while. I think it's The Loner. (laughs) Um, Wild, but but okay. But... They wanted him to do more like action and less like character Men- development. Stuff. And he was just like, eh, nah. not interested. <laughs> um, he was a teacher, which I was like, where did he find time for that? I know. He yeah. was busy. Always busy with writing or producing his work. Sterling somehow found time to teach. From the early 60s until the time of his death, he taught college courses on subjects including film criticism, writing, and drama. 
I would have loved to take one of his classes. Me too. Oh, he would have been a great teacher, I think. He would have think. been such a good professor. Oh. Yeah. And he died on June 19th, 1975, after suffering a series of heart attacks at the age of 50. Yeah, the so. smoking a pack a day didn't really help his case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The Dummy episode written by Lee Polk and The Living Doll um, that was written by Jerry Stoll um, was given uh, the credit. Well, Charles Beaumont was actually given the credit, even though uh, The Living Doll was written by Jerry Stoll. And it was it's still considered the scariest, the, the scariest uh, episode. The, the Talking Tina yes, episode? Yes, Talking Tina. That yeah. one. If we want to talk about episodes of Twilight Zone that gave me nightmares, Talking Tina. The dummy one's bad, too. I, one. I hate ventriloquist dummies, and you can thank Twilight Zone and Goosebumps for that. Yeah. Slappy was a no bueno in my book, too. But Talking Tina scared the poop out of me as a kid. And that started the whole doll thing. Oh, it terrified me so bad because I had... I think I had two porcelain dolls from mm-hmm. from my grandparents, and I used to love them. They were super mm-hmm. fun. And then I watched that vi- that episode, and I was nope. Turn them to uh, face the wall. No, because then you can't see what they're thinking. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, that episode scared me so bad. And Ray Bradbury only wrote one episode for Twilight Zone, and it was "I Sing the Body Electric." They kind of shot down all his other stuff. That's interesting. Yes. But yeah. I I love Ray Bradbury. Mm. I think they had a falling out. I think that's kind of part of it. I'm oh, not sure. I You'll have to go down that rabbit hole. I'm not too sure. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Um, Rod does have two daughters, uh, Jody and Anne. And Anne described her dad as a, a class clown who loved to talk but battled inner demons from war, from the war trauma. And he had a lot of nightmares about the em- enemy coming at him. And she said he was brilliant, funny, and silly, and had a beautiful singing voice and could sing Frank Sinatra perfectly. So I thought that was lovely. I mean, his you speaking know. voice is incredible. So I could imagine I could his that. singing voice being just as epic. Yeah, me too. So I got a couple jokes. All right. Why can't you keep a clock in jail? Why? Because time is always running out. (laughs) (laughs) Stinky old time. I know how time runs out. Okay. What cattle follow you wherever you go? What? Your calves. And why did the monster order chicken for dinner? Why? Because he was in a foul mood. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in that case, I would say I'm in a foul mood. Where do monsters buy their cookies? Where? From the ghoul scouts. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Can't forget those ghoul scouts. Yeah. Support your local ghoul scouts. That's right. Please. <laughs> I wish they'd come around. Isn't it that about time? Or did we miss it? Or was that the summer? I don't know. I can't remember. It always seems like it's fall when the when the girls, the ghoul scouts come out. 
I don't know. I don't. I haven't seen them yet. I don't know. I guess I'll have to look up. When do they put out candy? I thought it was cookies in spring and the fall, but I I don't know. I want me some Google Scout cookies. I know. What's your favorite Mm. Google Scout cookie? It's a tie between Thin Mints and Samoas. The Samoas are so good. It's the caramel. The Mm. caramel. Mm. 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 They only give Mm. you like 10. I know. They're really sweet, though. Mm. Whereas Thin Mints, I could sit and eat a whole box. Thin Mints. Yeah. That's, That's my favorite. And I, the peanut butter ones were okay, but yeah, they're, not, they're, not my favorite. they're not my favorite. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I finished um, Mr. Bad, the Chinese drama that I was watching nice. with Shen Wei and Chen Churan. And so I'm back to watching Happiness again. And But I did find one that stars Chen Churan. And it's called The Princess and the Werewolf. So Ooh, that's good for spooky season. <laughs> I might have to go into that one. It's yeah. Perfect for spooky season. Yes. Yeah. And I'm also kind of I'm everywhere, but I'm, I want to get back to happiness, the zombie one. And plus, I realized that I had not finished one called Healer. And let's see, it's Cha, uh, starred Ji uh, Chang Wook. And, um, yeah, so I'm probably going to continue watching that one. And I told her I did kind of start watching it. It's it's one about a hospice, but Ji Chang Wook is in it. Uh, and it's called, um, let's see, If You Wish Upon Me. And it, it's really good. And mm-hmm. it has Sue Young in it, too. Uh, Choi Sue Young, who I really like as, as a, an actor, actress. I guess they call them all actors now. I, yes. I, I don't know. Anyway, that's that's all I've got. Fantastic. So, uh, next week, we're going to be talking about dolls and salt. Mm. <laughs> dolls and salt. It's spooky season. So it I thought October would be a good time to talk about dolls. It's perfect. I mean, we already mentioned and Talking Tina, so that is a perfect little segue. I think, yeah, Twilight Zone. Right into, into dolls it. and salt. Salt's important. Yes. It's a great purifier. Yeah, you'll find all about that next week. Exactly. And this is the Gimmick Podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Michaela. Keep singing. Keep dancing. Eat right. Get all your shots. And we take care of each other. And please, please, let's have peace in the world. This is so awful. We can't, we can't do this. We can't. We need each other desperately, all of us. So please be kind to everybody out there. We love you guys. We love you, Keys. Take care, you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.